the last time I had spoke, I talked about how in the seventh month, the Lord showed me there was going to be lots of what? Death. Okay. And that was, that was something the Lord had given me months prior. And I just let Jean know. Well, it was a good time to teach it because everybody was going through what? Death. Raise your hand if you were going through death the seventh month. Right. Death of what God is trying to move you. Well, that was pretty a, and it is this. Oh. Okay. Um, I'll try not to move it. Okay, so, well, the cool thing was is then Jean taught last week, and Jean taught about king killers. So violent, right? You know? Okay, because when I think about it, I think of them holding a sword and going, shoom, 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 and right? Killing some kings. So I had, he had not got to really finish the whole message, and I had gotten really into it because the Lord had given me a revelation on that same revelation a while ago. So it was great. I was writing down everything the Lord had given me and kind of blending it in. And I thought, hey, I can, I can enhance this teaching. But then I thought, you know, there's been so much king killing that we need to start talking about the resurrection. So we needed to shift some gears and get out of some, you know, you know, depressing maybe and lifting up, right? Because resurrection is about a lifting up, correct? So tonight is we are to live in the glory of the uncorruptible God. Okay, and it says that in Romans chapter one, that we are to live in the glory of the uncorruptible God. So we have to make sure that we know our God is completely uncorruptible. All right. And, you know, that takes time when you're building a relationship and understanding the ways of God. You have to recognize that he is uncorruptible. He created the earth. He created the heavens. He created everything around us. So I had talked about this verse last week when I opened, but I'm going to use it to open this week. And that is Second Timothy verse chapter 2 verse 10 if anybody has bibles and they want to follow along that'd be great but we're going to put them here up on the screen until the very end because i have a little story to read and so it's just too many verses to um, have for the end all right second timothy 2 10 says therefore i endure all things for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. All right, this is, and I loved Carrie's, actually, Weta's testimony was great, and Carrie's verses is gonna totally back up everything that is gonna come about tonight. So he wants us to know that we have to endure all things for the sake of the elect. Well, endure is to hold one's ground, all right? So when we're enduring something, we are holding onto the ground and to the belief of what we're following. So. We have to endure all those things of the elect. Well, who are the, what is elect? That's all of us. We are the chosen ones, all right? Because he already knows who are his chosen ones, that they may also obtain the salvation, which is in Christ Jesus. This is an awesome vision because this reminds us that once we become born again, we are still called to work out our salvation. We have to go from glory to glory to glory. He has to increase more in us and we have to decrease. So, and that's how we start growing and realizing, and there's a confidence in Christ that actually becomes formed into you. When I think about when I started teaching years ago, the confidence of Christ wasn't in me like it is now, because now I have a relationship with him. I experience him. I understand the way in which he raises us. And so it helps you to endure. When you know how to hold on to your ground, you know that he has chosen you. And the key words in these is, is, and in, okay, to obtain the salvation, which is, that is now, 
all right? There is no sitting on your chair and waiting for your salvation to start. Your salvation is, it is now, all right? But the most important thing is you can't do it unless you're in Christ Jesus, all right? So to me, I know those are two little words, but they're the most important words because is tells you to move. Start thinking about it, start moving towards it. In Christ Jesus, he does it with an eternal sense of glory. That's why I titled this, we are to live in the glory of an uncorruptible God. I mean, that's really powerful. When we get to know that we're on the winning side and that we are his elect, we are his chosen ones, he's got a plan for us to work things out. Isn't that awesome? All right, 1 Peter 2.9. I like this. It reminds us that we are chosen. 1 Peter 2.9 tells us, but you are a chosen generation. Isn't that awesome? You know what? I used to ask all the time. I used to, when I would get depressed, I would be like, what's my special? Nobody ever told me my special, right? But the more I learned, more I grew in Christ, I am his special. I am his special. I'm a chosen, gen- a part of a chosen generation. I get to, uh, we're all together in this. We are a chosen generation. We are what? A royal priesthood. Ooh, I never thought about that. Well, I get to be a part of a royal family. Now, I don't know about you, but when Prince Charles and Prince Diana got married, I got up early to watch on the little tube. Do you know what I mean? And I wanted to be a part of that. What? Royal. Fa- Come on, girls. Everybody who wanted to be a part of the royal family, right? All right. Well, then you grow up and realize you are a part of a royal priesthood. Right, Krista? Right? You are a point. And for this generation, it would be what? Prince Charles. No, no, no. Who is it? Who just got Kate? And what's the update? What's the new? What's the news feed? Williams and Kate, right? Everybody idolizes them. They want to be a part of that royal family, right? But we are a part of a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special, I love the word special, his own special people that you may proclaim. See, we have, a, we have something that we need to do. We have to proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So, You have to keep in mind, darkness is just what we don't understand. Darkness is when we don't know what to do. Darkness is when we're walking, wandering, and not knowing, what am I here to do? All right? But when we get it aligned with what we are, which is our his elect people, we are called out of that darkness, and we are called in the marvelous marvelous light. Light tells you and shows you the way. So praise God. So we have to proclaim those praises of him who called us out. Second Timothy 2, 11 through 13. Now, I like this. I read it in the opening last week, and it really, I have been marinating this, these, these three little verses so much because it really gives us such an awesome order. He says in his word, this is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. Now, that seems interesting because if you feel like you're a part of a really special generation and you are chosen, Okay, you don't want to think that you actually have to die, right? Because death doesn't have a good connotation to it. In fact, I grew up in a funeral home. And you know what? People feared death. There are people, they would be doing their pre-needs, getting everything. They feared the day of their death so much that they overplanned it. It's crazy how people walk into that. But he says to us, for if we die with him, we shall also live with him. So he's reminding us that we have to kind of go through this, we have to understand what is this death. But then we also have to look forward in the hope of him that there is what? Life. That we have this life with him. It's an everlasting life. It's an eternal glory. It's a place that we hope 
and keep moving towards. And so, but he says, if we endure, which I opened up with, therefore I endure all things. That was Paul who said that first verse. I, he was a special chosen person for God. And he said, I endured all things for the sake of the body. All right, Jesus endured all things for the sake of us. Carrie read it in his verse. So here again, he reminds us now, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. But I like how he kind of reminds us this. If we deny him, he will also deny, he will also, he also will deny us. Now that's pretty strong because he's already put the tag on us. We are the chosen. We are the elect. We are all these great things. So now you can't turn away from your family. You can't deny the one who's entered you into that family. So if we are faithless, now I like this because it says if, which doesn't mean we're faithless all the time, but there are times that we will, what? We, right, because we're growing, we're building our faith one step at a time, one position, one measure. We keep, that's growing from glory to glory. Your faith increases every time. It says if we are faithless, he always remains faithful. And so when he remains faithful, that means he is never, ever changing. God does not change. God does not change it. Even when he sent his son to come on this earth, he didn't make his son not do it the way that we have to do it. In fact, he was our first fruit. He came and showed us the way and how we are to live here on earth, how we are to walk out this salvation, what we have to do to go from glory to glory. It says he cannot deny himself. Now that's, that's pretty interesting because I didn't really understand that. Of course, who can't deny themselves a cookie, right? You see a cookie on the counter who can't deny themselves, right? How many, I know Mason's into that, right? Just think about that. When we're in love with ourselves, all right, we can't deny ourselves. It doesn't make a difference what it is. We want to what? We want to bless ourselves, don't we? I got a bonus check, right? I want to go shopping. I want to buy myself. I mean, this would be Rachel. what other women would be like that, right? You want to go and you want to do what for yourself? You want to bless yourself. You don't want to deny yourself the good things that God has for you. But think about it. He actually has a plan that as he grows in us, he doesn't want to deny the greater one in us. And so that's a deep thought. When we look at this ourselves in this, and we have that seed of Christ in us, the born again, regenerated spirit. Do you know It doesn't make a difference what size it is, but God does not want to deny himself in you. Christ cannot deny himself in you. That's pretty deep thought because we don't usually think of ourselves worthy enough to receive. That's one of the biggest things I'm noticing in the body because I went through that. It's hard to receive those things that are from God because we think that we have to earn them. But if if Christ is growing in us, he actually can't deny himself the good thing. Can you kind of visualize that? He can't deny the goodness of himself in you. You wouldn't deny yourself. So he cannot deny himself. He never changes. He remains the same. That is, when you become born again, even though you feel you see all that residue, all that darkness, all the stuff that still has to be pushed out, that one little light of Christ in you stays and remains the same. It is, it is incorruptible. It is a, God said it this way, that we get to walk in this time and we know we have something in us that remains the same. So life 
is his garden. God even set it up in Genesis. If you go to Genesis 2, 8, and 9, he has a place for everybody. Where I liked it. This is how he started off. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Now, this is interesting. Everybody is born. We are all born after Jesus Christ. So everybody has the opportunity to accept Christ in their heart and get the regenerated spirit full of light in you. All right. So as we grow, do you know, as he is being formed in you, he already has a garden for you. He has a place to plant you. As you grow in him, he has a place where you're assigned to grow. He has a place for you. And I like this because he started off that way. He put that man whom he had formed and out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so where God has for you, there is a place, a garden, a perfect garden that God has for each and everybody in here. Does everybody receive that? Okay, because he has a place where you're gonna experience just what it was like in the Garden of Eden. All right, it's not about the good and evil. It's about maturing and growing the tree of life that's in you. And so when we talk in this ministry, we want to be a glorious son and daughter of God. This, we are like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And as Christ grows in us, the rivers, they, it comes from one river and comes out four. All right, and we, that's another teaching. But the thing is, we work out our salvation through our soul. Our soul has to be matured in this. So he has that. Our New Testament garden is our soul. All right. So before we ever can touch what God has for us here on earth, we've got to get this garden, the New Testament garden matured. We have to work on that. Genesis 8:22. So he has a special place as you are growing up in him that he wants you to be. Genesis 8:22 says, "While the earth remains, seed, time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer and day and night shall not cease. Isn't that interesting? I, that, I, you know, I've always heard the first part of that verse, but I never looked at the other layers of that verse. It's amazing how we need to read, not just the, a part. You need to read the whole verse. And it says, what it says, what the other definition for remain is endure. And there's other versions where it uses the word endure. So while the earth endures, so God created the earth and there will be a day that the earth will cease. All right, but, but during this time, there's always gonna be seed, time, and harvest. It's an order that he has in our lives. There's always gonna be what? Cold and heat. Okay, think about this. As we walk out our salvation, there are times we can feel the burning of the consuming fire of God, right? And then we cool down, all right? I like it. If you think about it, even in the, it's about temperature. <laughs> all right, when I looked at that, I kept thinking temperature. Well, it's all about temperature. We go outside and we know wintertime's gonna be what? Cooler. And then we know that summertime's gonna be what? Hot. And we start to adjust ourselves. Well, as we are growing from one stage to another stage, we're gonna go through hot and cold. We are gonna go through the experience of the burning and then we're gonna get the, the cooling time. It's a rotational. Winter and summer represent the seasons. In this ministry, we really try hard to help the people know what are the seasons that you're going through. Because as we advance the kingdom of God, there are seasons in that advancement. 
You know, the first season is when the Holy Spirit makes you aware of something. Then the next season, your soul's got to what? Come into agreement with it. And then the next season you're dealing with is a season of temptation, the adversary, the tempter, and the oppositions in your life. But then there's always a season to what? Receive, okay? And that's where it goes seed, time, and harvest. There's always a seed, and there's, and there's always a time period, and then there's always going to be what? A receiving of the promise. There's always a receiving of the promise. And so I like that. This goes on, and then day and night means the light and darkness that we experience, all right? Because when we're in darkness, we don't know where we're going. We get disconnected. But when we're in the light, when we know that we have the full light of Christ dwelling in us, man, we just have to know what we're tapping into to make our choices and decisions and where we go. So living things, we are all living things. Living things have the ability to grow and multiply. We're all a seed. I mean, we look at Emily's little baby, right? That started as a seed, right? And it grew into a what? Baby. But then we all grow up and we become what? Adults. All right, it's the same thing. When you accept Christ in your heart, you are void. This is a void being. This is a person who is lost. They, they have a void spirit. And then all of a sudden, the seed of Christ comes into your heart and then boom, now it becomes a regenerated spirit, able to truly hear the intuition of God. It, 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 it ignites you to want to commune with God. And then most of all, it helps you to discern seed time and harvest. It helps you discern hot and cold. It helps you to discern summer and winters and season. It helps you to discern the day and the night and what you're experiencing. So we have to keep a relationship going. And you know what? There is a natural seed, all right? Everybody knows they can go get flower, seeds for flowers, seeds for vegetables. Who in here are real natural people that like to grow their vegetables? Mason raised his hand? I can't see you doing that, okay. <laughs> Mason was the half hand up, maybe not. <laughs> okay, well, there is, I love this, because a natural seed, if you think about it, when you get a pack of seeds, there's nothing to it, is there? If you don't do anything with it, then nothing's going to what? Happen, okay? Because believe it or not, they're really dead. It's a dead seed until it gets planted, okay? So when you think about that, inside every seed is its miracle. All right, we are the same thing. I look at the born again person as that is a seed with a, with a life giving seed inside of it. All right, but if that person walks day by day, doesn't seek God, doesn't read the word of God, does not worship God, then guess what they're doing? They're walking around, not, they're not being planted. They're not moving in him. That means what's in you is not pressing out what needs to be out. There is no growth that's happening. You're not experiencing the wonders, the signs, and the miracles of God. So a seed reproduces life unto itself. All right? So I'm a woman. I can carry a child. I can actually produce a what? A life. All right? And so in that, I am producing life unto itself. So how I choose to raise, how I chose to raise my child, I didn't just produce her out of my body. Now I have to do what? Raise it up. It has to be risen up. So John 12, 24, and 25. The Lord gives us a spiritual order about seed time and harvest and how seeds most. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground, and a grain of wheat is a seed, falls into the ground and what? 
dies, it remains alone. Okay, isn't this amazing? That's the lost person. If a seed does not get into this person, right? That person remains what? Disconnected from God. That person remains alone because that person hasn't died yet. Because you know when you accept Christ in your heart, you are a mess. You are crying. You're humble. You don't even know why you're moving towards something because all of a sudden there is a spirit of truth that draws you to the truth. All right. And it's a a humbling moment when that happens. So we know that there is inside of us, the regenerated spirit actually gives us a conviction. He tells us that if that seed does not fall onto into the ground, it dies. It remains alone. But if it what dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in the world will keep it for eternal life. Now, isn't that an awesome promise? That means if we recognize that, it, just like it said in Second Timothy, if we die with him, we will what? Live. He has given us that promise, that seed, time, and harvest. If you have the Christ, the seed of Christ into you, then you know that you are going to what? Live with him. But if you never move out of the born again position, the word also says that we have to mature in Christ. We have to grow up. We have to start working out this salvation so that we can live an abundant life here on earth now. I like that. In the first verse, as I said, the key words were is and in. We have a salvation which is now. Now that was hard for me thing to understand. I always thought you accepted Christ in your heart. And when you accept it in your heart, you just what? You have eternal life. You go to heaven. I didn't think I really had to do anything else about it. All right. Which I think a lot of people feel that way. A lot of people don't know the truth. But there is actually a resurrected life that you can live right now. That can be sprung up now. And I like this because it goes, it says the righteous will stumble. How many times? Seven. So when you start this journey, think about it. There is a time from here to here. It is seed time and then harvest the harvest is an increase of christ being formed in you if you have an increase of christ being formed in you you know where to go you're not in the dark you're in the what light okay you move into the direction where he has you he actually has a special place for you to be so that can happen so he who loves his life will lose it that's this guy the lost guy loves his life all right And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now, that's really hard because we want to enjoy our life, right? God's not saying that we can't enjoy our life, but he reminds us, but he who hates his life in this world. So that means you're not living for this life because you know the hope of glory and the eternal glory that God has for you in in our next move. Our life always remains. All right. So this is awesome. I like this, the grain. I love that grain word because I'm really into this. Anybody who does finances, commodity, right? I started studying, Mason got me into this. I started studying about investing. You know what the best thing to invest in? Commodities, all right? Grain is a commodity. Why do you invest in commodities? Because they're always reproducing. They're always something that needs and needs to be reproducing. I'm so into this. I like clicked the definition of commodity months ago and I sent it to Gene. You need to invest in commodities. Did you get that text, Mason? 
Mason's a financial guy. And so he's very good at what he does. You would agree, Kavadu, right? <laughs> I'm trying to get his agreement in public. But okay. <laughs> well, I get excited because, yeah, diversify. In commodities. We just don't have to go grain. We can go oil, right? Okay. So I get excited because reproduction is resurrection. Reproducing is an increase. Okay, we increase Christ in us, but like I said, when you have a child or you have a family, you're doing what? You're re reproducing for something. But it says, okay, it, but if it dies, it produces much grain. It produces more. It becomes a commodity. It becomes a value to produce. We are to be preachers and teachers of Jesus and the resurrection. Acts 17 tells a story about how Paul entered into the city of Athens, where it was a very intellectual city of philosophers and theologists and all these things. And one of the things that he was told, they, they said what they heard out of him, this man is teaching Jesus and the resurrection. And you know, that was the first time I really saw that in the Bible written that way. I, you would hear about Jesus, you hear about the resurrection, but he actually said it. He said it to the, the, the people were saying, I can't understand him. He is a babbler. I can't hear him because he's talking about, and then the ones, the philosophers who like new, new age stuff, you know what I mean? They always want to hear a new word. Well, boom, resurrection was the new word. And they were curious to know what does that mean that we are to preach and teach Jesus and the resurrection. So we've got to teach the gospel, right? Everybody needs to learn and understand why did Jesus come? The, you know, that he was the son of God and that we have to believe and we have to confess him into our heart. But you know we also have the responsibility of believing and teaching the resurrection? How many of us teach that? All right. We actually have that responsibility to teach it. That's why I'm kind of giving you a little basic science lesson. And these visions really help us to know you have to believe that there is a daily resurrection that you can experience. You have to believe that it's not just about being born again. You have to believe that there is a resurrection. And if there's going to be a resurrection, there's going to be a what? A death. So we just got to start getting used to it. You know, that is the best way to say it. Because the first time I went through the cycle, understanding this, my first seed, my first time, my first harvest, it seemed so great. And I was like, I have to do it again? <laughs> I have to go through it again? Yes, this is part of our job for the sake of Christ. He wants us to realize that it is now and that we have to be in Christ to experience that eternal glory. And we get to actually have the glory now. This is awareness time where you got it when the, the disciples, what was their main job to do? Was to introduce them to what? Jesus. Paul was introducing him to Jesus, but he didn't do, he did some of the resurrection. He taught some of it, but it's a time, it says kingdom, power, and glory. That's the end of the Lord's prayer. It says, if you don't know what to pray, pray that prayer. And let me tell you, the last line gives an order. Kingdom, power, and glory. What's kingdom? Kingdom is the Holy Spirit within you. That is the kingdom of God in you. The power is his word. The power is Christ. All right. So the more you get into relationship with Christ, the more you understand that there's a power of a resurrection, then you can actually start walking in the glory. So it goes in that order. I mean, it is that order every way. First, there has to be an awareness that kingdom of God is you. And I think most people in here already know that. Kingdom of God is in you. 
The kingdom of God is within you. But now when you enter in Christ, man, that's like there's a click going on. How do you know you've entered in Christ? You understand that the power is his word. You understand the power is Christ. And then, so I go like this, kingdom plus power equals what? Glory, all right? He wants us to reach that fullness as we walk on the earth. So Jesus and the resurrection, the resurrection is the glory that he wants us to walk in. We are a seed planted in the earth. We are a seed planted in this earth. Our words are the seeds planted in the spiritual realm. Our words really pave the way for our movement. A spiritual harvest comes through a seed that will die. As the elect, if we die with him, we shall also live with him. We are to experience the resurrected life in Christ, not just knowing that he's in you. Christ being the first fruit, go to James 1.18. James 1.18. And this is awesome because Jesus showed us how to bring in the resurrection. Of course, he was the resurrection. But it says, of his own will, boom, what's the first thing? His own will. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creation. So the Lord is asking two things from us. One, he asked it to be our what? Our will. We have to, we can have, you can accept Christ in your heart, but now to actually walk out your salvation, you know it has to be your what? Your will. It has to be your will. And he brought us forth by the word of truth. It was awesome in this ministry when I learned that the spirit of the truth was here. And then when I would hear the truth of the word of God, do you know all of a sudden that word and this spirit start what? Drawing close together. All right, you can see it in people. When you start speaking the word of God and it's coming from God, you see, you can feel your spirit and their spirit coming together. All right, so we have a responsibility that we have to know that he had to do it. Jesus came in his own will. His father asked him to come. He did it in his own will. We, and he brings us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruit, fruits of his creature. Isn't that powerful? How do we die? Is the next. Now, now we get this, right? Does everybody get the flow? Seed time and harvest. The seed is in us. We've got to now, on our own will, we've got to bring forth the word, right? We have to speak the word into the environment so that things can start moving in our life. So as we bring forth, as we're bringing forth by the word, we become the first fruits. So a resurrected people living in him. He shows us this way, it becomes a mystery. So the question is, how do we die? So just a reminder, it has to be your will and it has to be what? From the word of God. There's gonna be a word. We ask people and everything, what word are you standing on? You cannot get from here to here without the word of God. You can't do it. You really can't get to here, here successfully and feel good about it without worshiping God. You've got to pray, you've got to worship, you've got to spend time with that word. But there is a word you are standing on because the word is the power. The word is Christ that actually changes you. Raise your hand if you know a word that's changed you and that you've become that word, right? Because you heard the word. And when you heard the word, you chose to believe it. 
The word said the implanted word is what saves the soul. So you actually have that word. You meditate on that word. Meditate is the key word. You can read a word and have its knowledge, but if you don't meditate on it, then it can't produce something. It's going to produce unto itself. Ugh, this is so awesome. I get excited because my first revelation of that, and then it started springing out. I get this. We are an incor- we are a corruptible body, right? Our body has a start and, a t- and an end time. But the seed of Christ in us is what? Incorruptible. We have an uncorruptible God that gave us an incorruptible seed for us to walk in this time. Now, I'm sorry, that gives me tingles when I think about it because all I have to do is it be my will. And then all I have to do is know the word. And we grow word by word so our soul becomes renewed. He shows us the way. Now, I love this because... He says in his word, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. We've got to, we grow one word at a time. You know what I mean? Because this is is more than a lifetime of mystery. You know what I mean? What we have to go through. So go to 1 Corinthians 15, 50 and 51. And you know what's so excited? There is victory. Victory is the resurrection of the receiving of his promise after you have passed the test of being that word. It's awesome. And the thing is, it's not about receiving an item or possession. It really is about receiving an increase of him and the power of your words working for him. All right. It says, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. All right. That means there is nothing I can physically do with this corruptible body to get myself into the kingdom of God. There is nothing. We are a world of buying and selling. We are a world of A's, B's, C's, D's, E's, and F's, right? And if you get good grades, you move on to the next thing. If you get bad grades, you get held back. But not in this. We we are in a different type of kingdom. Now this I say, brethren, that the flesh and the blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Now, I remember the first time I read that, I was like, pass on that verse. (laughs) I knew what the words meant, but I really was like, yeah, I'm not getting it, okay? Do you ever have that time when you're reading the word and your soul just doesn't get it? So what do you do? Pass on to the next one. (laughs) When you're reading it, you just pass on to the next one. All right, I'm going to read to you the definitions of those words because the one thing I definitely learned is that I, I needed to, like, learn some new vocabulary, when I came into the body of Christ and understood, you know, that I was in a body to even be able to grow. Well, corruption means this. This is what corruption means. Actually, maybe I should start with incorruption. All right, that's a happier one. All right, incorruption means honest. It means honorable. It means good. It means everlasting. It means not subject to death. So incorruption is not subject to death. It means enduring, not susceptible to corruption. Okay, which is what this word's saying. Nor does corruption inherit what? Incorruption. All right, now here's what, here's what corruption means. It's a little longer. Corruption means dishonest conduct by those in power. They are double-minded. They are believing in a fraud. It is the process by which something typically 
a word or an expression is changed from its original use or meaning to one that is regarded as erroneous, one that is diluted, one is debased. All right, so there is actually a reduction in the understanding of a truth in the quality of its value. All right, so this is interesting. When we grow in the body of Christ, the word has been prostituted. The word is prostituted because people have used it in an incorruptible way, bringing it into their realm of understanding. But there is the pure, incorruptible truth of the word. And that's why when you get a word and you know what you're standing on, you're to meditate on that word. Because when you're meditating on that word, he's going to test you in that word. And he's going to test it to purify you. Because he will never, it says, what did he say? He cannot deny himself, right? If that word is pure, refined and implanted and solid in you, and he knows that you have got that word down in his understanding, you know he cannot withhold any good thing from you. He can't because he, he can't deny himself. So I meet people who say, I've read that word, I've stood on that word, and nothing's happened. Well, that's because there is an understanding that you have to be processed in. And that's why we meditate on the word. That's why we worship. That's why we worship. Worship, it makes the enemy flee. Because in our soul, we have so many other thoughts. It even says in Thessalonians, I've said this, and I don't have the verse written down here. It says that every person's born into an assembly of God. That means everybody is born into a belief of God. And it says, and most will have Jesus Christ's name in it, but it will not be him. It says, but then he has an appointed time where he picks you out. And then you become so focused. And then he, the whole, through the Holy Spirit, starts teaching you the truth. And you know what? It's a process because your mind goes like this. That's how it feels. When you are taking the word on and you're meditating it, the Holy Spirit is our helper. He is the one that helps us to become that word. All right, so everybody's along with me on it, right? So corruption is when it is, we are taking that word and we are not applying it the way it should be. And how do you know you're not applying it the way you should be? You're not changing. <laughs> because the kingdom of God, you are going to experience a change. But it's okay if you don't experience the change right away. Because he says, I'm going to refine you. I'm going to put you through a process. All right. So an incorruptible is one that's not susceptible to corruption. It's enduring. I like this. He said he has us what? In the beginning. And when I start off, I have to go back and read this part. He says, in the, in the beginning, therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain salvation. So you know what? Every, word by word by word, we are what? Enduring. We are growing with that word. All right? So it goes on to say, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Isn't that awesome? I really love this. And the story I have to back this up to kind of give you an outline of it is a really cool story. And I'm sure most of you know it. It's about when Jesus went and brought Lazarus back to life. It is an awesome story that really shows you the whole process that we actually go through to understand a true resurrection. And I love that. That resurrection happened before his resurrection. You know, but it was, so we have to recognize that we are an corruptible body. 
but inside we have what? An incorruptible seed, all right, that wants to grow in the power so we can speak out the truth. All right, praise the Lord. All right, go to verse 1 Corinthians 53, 54. There is a victory in his way. The mystery is so that we can recognize the mystery. For this corruptible, this corruptible, okay, corruptible is what? Right, the negative, right. So this corruptible must be put on, this corruptible good must be put on in corruption. And this mortal must be put on immorality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immorality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that was written, death is swallowed up in victory. Now, the first time I read that too, incorruptible, corruptible, non-corruptible, blah, 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 blah. I just got to the end. Okay. Death is swallowed up in victory. All right. Everything that's ever happened to me in my experience of walking out my salvation and watching this beautiful body of Christ walk it out means that there is always a situation. We start off with the corruptible understanding of the word. All right. And then we start applying it the way we want, apply it with the way we want. Nothing's happening. Nothing. Okay. As you start submitting it unto Christ and meditating on it, then guess what? A true trial, a true circumstance, a true conflict starts to arise. Because before death, the manifestation of the truth is going to surface. And so I'm just going to use this one example. And it just happened to Rachel. You know, when she got, Rachel got a car and the Lord had really put me, um, I had to meditate if I should buy her the car. But when the Lord showed me that there was a father, she has a father in her life who is capable of providing her car, that um, the Lord showed me this in the word. And so I was talking to Jean about it. And I said, well, if there's a father that can provide, if I'm supposed to do it, he'd have to hand over the authority because he has authority over her until the day she gets married. So he's responsible. I'm responsible. But he needed to hand that over to me. Well, if anybody knows him, good guy. But it's really hard for him to kind of give up something like that. It's not, it wasn't easy for him. And nor did anybody ask him. So usually that type of idea wouldn't come to his mind either. All right. So I came into agreement with Jean. We talked about it. And I said, I'm just going to focus on this. And Rachel and I had to share cars for three months. And so you have to know my prayers were serious. (laughs) If anybody knows my daughter, I am this sweet understanding. (laughs) I mean, yeah. And Rachel's this bulldog of a daughter. Where does she get that from, right? Okay, meaning she, she, she is a very smart young lady. She is truly a leader. She is more of a leader than I'm a leader. You know, I hate to say it, but she is working me. She'll, Mom, when are we leaving? Mom, what are we doing? She's got a list of things. This is what we got to get done. I was like, whoa, I'm in worship. Don't come in my room until I'm done worshiping. Well, anyway, so she, there's a weekend where um, she wants to go away and do something, and she needs a what? A car. So I give her my car. I could not leave where I was at for five days. I had no car. So I told Francis at the office, I said, I'll just be calling into you. I have no car. And I knew to just let her have the car because it was, I knew something was going to be happening. Well, during one of those days, she spends a time with her dad. Can you turn the music on too? I don't know where the music went. Um, She spends time with her dad. And in that time, they're in the car and they don't know she really needs a car. They know she wants a car. You can turn that. Yeah, that'll get it right. And um, all of a sudden, they're sitting in the car and they're driving. And 
her stepmom said to her, Rachel, why don't you have a car? And she said, because I haven't saved enough money for it yet. And she goes, well, you need to quit being a real estate agent. And you, now, Lord told her to, do, to be a real estate agent. She said, you need to quit being a real estate agent. You need to get a real job and you need to go get a loan and get a car. And then it was just like yelling started in the car, not by Rachel. She was building, building, building. And then all of a sudden, Rachel said, that's not what God showed me. God did not show me that I was to leave this job, that I was to stick out with real estate. And God also showed her that she's not to get a loan and go borrow money to get a car. But she did turn to her dad and says, but I will borrow from you because you're my dad, right? And of course, that was not going to be, they, it was like the swirling, the swirling, the swirling. Everything got so negative, Rachel starts crying because now they're screaming at her. She started crying and just said, I'm not going to say anything. And then all of a sudden, out of a, this is a, this is the stepmom, she actually turned and she didn't know why. She said, I don't know why I'm saying this, but we need to get Rachel a car. And see, but you have to know, they were building up and telling her the whole time. They were saying to her, would it make you feel better if we bought, they were like really antagonizing her. And she just took the what? The beating. She could have sat there and kept going. This girl cried. Her dad actually said to me, Rachel cried so hard. He had never seen her cry that hard and take it. And so she stuck to her belief. She stuck to that she wasn't going to get a loan. She stuck to it. And then all of a sudden, the stepmom says, what? We're going to get you a car. We need to do this. Okay, now, the beautiful thing about the whole thing is God says, if you deny him, then he will deny you. Well, it wasn't about the car. I got to minister to Rachel's stepmom, who I've known for years, and she doesn't understand the ways of Christ. And so I got to minister her for three hours. And then she confessed to me and told me, I don't know what happened in the car. I didn't want to buy Rachel a car. <laughs> she was like, we weren't going to buy her a car. I don't know what hit me. She goes, it was a whirlwind, a whirlwind. And the, all the words were what? Corruption. They were all telling her what she needed to do, what was the wrong way, what to do this. And then she said, I just never saw Rachel cry so hard. You know what I mean? And I don't know what spoke out of me and what spoke out of her. The spirit, God's plan. Because I gave it to God and said, if this is your order, then he needs to hand the responsibility over to me. I was okay if I got handed the responsibility, but he's her authority. It doesn't make a difference if we're married or not. I still have to trust God's order in family. And so here, I'm now ministering to them after they give her the car. And I'm standing there. And she said that night, she said... She told, she wanted to back out of it. <laughs> she didn't know why she said it. And she wasn't being mean. She just said she found herself saying such horrible things. And then she said, and when she saw how it hurt Rachel, it's what made her say, we'll get you the car. And what I'm trying to say is when God is trying to bring you something and you stay in God's alignment, do you know God, no matter how bad the situation is, he has to turn it towards his order. Is everybody connecting with this? And it was a corruptible moment with an incorruptible solution. Meaning his way is, it remains. He was faithful. They weren't faithful. He was faithful. And he stuck to the plan. And it didn't make a difference if it was spoken through a dirty filter. Our words can be spoken through either a clean filter or a dirty filter. And you know what? What is the dirty filter that we're speaking? All our emotions, what we think we should be doing. And the first thing he tells us is we got to do what? 
We have to come to him in our own will. We have to do what? Surrender our life. We have to do what? Die so we can live. Well, praise God. I got to minister to Jennifer for three hours. That girl's going to what? Live. She is, now she's asking all these questions. Apostolic ministry, prophetic ministry. She is now asking questions. Isn't that awesome? So if I would have denied God's order, guess what would happen? I would have never had three hours in front of her. Isn't that powerful? Come on, that's an awesome woman. Do you know what I mean? It's not about how you felt when the moment happened. Is she actually yielded to God. And then I loved it. I mean, Rachel said, Mom, oh my God, I didn't know how fast it happened. It was like, boom, the next day, get a car. You know what I mean? And she's like, Rachel still gets in shock about it. You know what I mean? And you knew it was God because she didn't even want to put it on Facebook. And you knew it was God because Rachel said, Mom, I don't don't think I'm supposed to put this on Facebook. (laughs) And you know what? Because God isn't about Facebook. There is an internal growth with Christ. It's not about putting it on Facebook. I mean that not negatively. I just mean that I knew because Rachel likes to put all her like life on Facebook, right? So you knew that she still was overwhelmed and couldn't really understand the corruption that was building at the moment. But then it landed into the perfect car, the perfect plan, everything. I mean, even the car she got is really Rachel. You know what I mean? The car, I mean, God really did pick out a car that was was hers. So when it's telling you this, death is swallowed up in victory. Rachel had to die in that car. She was so humiliated. She even told me, I was so humiliated, I didn't know what to do. You know how when you cry and it's like, (gasps) like it's like coming out of your center? Rachel said she has never cried that hard. But she had to, and she just, and she she said she wanted to say, I will never ask you anything. (laughs) But she didn't, she kept her mouth what? Quiet. And Rachel learned something that day and she is so appreciative of them it actually, it opened up the doorway for reconciliation. And that's what God's all about. He doesn't want us to deny a plan of reconciliation. Lee was blessed because now I don't have to drive every day. I mean, she's supposed to be happy for me. You know what I mean? Come on, when I broke my ankle a year ago, she had to drive me everywhere. It was the first time I was subject to Rachel Brian, right? And then I learned what life unto itself I created. <laughs> You have to laugh at this because that's how life is. Sometimes what we think we're not supposed to do because we think it's going to be too hard is exactly what God is moving us in to do because that's where you're going to meet the true incorruption. That's where you're going to meet the true God. That's where you're going to meet the true power of Christ. And so praise God, Rachel had to still stick to her value that God had taught her at that time. Go to 1 Corinthians 15, 56, 58. All right. So, death is swallowed up in victory. The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is law. Oh, doesn't that hurt? That hurts. The strength of sin is the law. How many people have had something to happen with the law? Something you did wrong. Okay, and if you had nothing with the real law, come on, who in school got a detention, right? Okay, who in, you have to, everybody's done something. You got in trouble, grounded, something taken away whatever. But it says the sting of death is sin. So why are we dying? Because there's something in us that's not subjected to him. He is trying to get us out of it. He can, he's trying to get us out of corruption and into the life of resurrection an incorruptible life. So the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the what? 
victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, through our Lord Jesus Christ. The only way we have the victory is by what? Standing on him, allowing him being in Jesus Christ. He's got to work through it. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, be steadfast. So what happens when you're dying? Be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. So I liked it. When we are experiencing that death experience, that trial, that tribulation, the attacks, and you know you have to put on your Christ-like behavior because he's about to promote you. He's about to promote you into another measure of him. And when you're about to do that, you have to be able to do what? Be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in him is not in vain. Isn't that beautiful? It's beautiful because, this, I, I, man, when I saw that, the strength of sin is the law. The law is really for the lawless. I heard that and didn't understand it the first time, and then I started getting the feel of it. You're right. The law was established so we could know where we are in sin. But then the strength of life, life unto itself is grace. We experience a grace in Christ. It's not if Rachel deserved the car, that wasn't, it's not about that. There was a grace that opened up and it opened up a way for reconciliation. So Christ is our strength, is a life-giving spirit. It is a life-giving spirit. There is victory in the death. It will produce life and it will do what? Multiply. Now, what multiplied in my story? If, as Jennifer comes to the understanding of Christ, now she's putting on her Facebook this week, everything about God. <laughs> She's putting on her Facebook things about this, things about that, trying to figure it all out. So now a multi, we spurred, there was a conception and now multiplication is starting. That is the victory of the whole story, not even the car. So remember, the enemy comes to tempt you. Put on James 1, 12 and 13. And we're almost done. How, how far am I into this? How, am I, how long have I been teaching? I was told I got to do it in 60 minutes. Oh, okay. I'm going to need 15 more minutes. Okay. So here we go. James 1, James 1, 12 through, 12 through 13. All right. When you guys are going, when you're understanding that you actually have to grow like this, right? It says the enemy is going to come and do what? Tempt you. So remember, before you receive the promise, before he cannot deny himself in you, you are going to have to go through temptation. And it says, blessed is the man who does what? endures the key word is endure right endures temptation for when for when he has been approved okay so there's a point in this whole development before seed time and harvest while you're in the time of growth wherever you're at it says he says there's a time that you've been what charlena right i had a dream about charlena and it was crazy and it was in red lights it says approved so every time i was teaching i'd say charlena you're what Right, I make her say it every day. So it says, he will receive. So there's a time that for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of what? Life, which the Lord has promised to those who do what? Love him, because that's what he can't deny in himself. If you're loving Christ, if you're worshiping, meditating on that word and growing, he can't deny, love can't deny love. Love cannot deny love, right? Love is attracted to what? Love, okay? 
love wants to give. So he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot tempt by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Okay, it's a, we have to go through the process so we can earn and receive. Go to James 1, 14 and 15, I think in the next. Yeah, 14 and 15. And I'm going to read. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Okay, so we are all born sinners. We're born in a world of sin. So we have to go through this rotation constantly moving a bit of sin out of us every step of the way. Because most of the sin that's conceived in us wasn't because we necessarily chose it. It's because of what we've been exposed to. Does everybody understand that? So sin is not bad. It's just not the best God has for us. So he already has a plan of Christ in us to push out that sin, to push out that lie. Sin means to miss the mark. Okay, sin means to miss the mark. So when you do something that misses the mark, that means you didn't have faith in a word of Christ in you. So you had to do what? You have to, that's why we grow in Christ. I always tell people, don't feel bad, just focus on Christ. Keep growing. He actually moves the sin out of you unexpectedly. If you are a worshiper and you are meditating on the word, sin just starts coming out. You don't even know what's coming out because he says that we have the residue of sin. The Christ already came and did what? Conquered sin. He already conquered sin. And he conquered it through the resurrection. So we're going to end with this story. We're going to end with a story of Lazarus. And I would like to read it because I think it's too much for the screen. But I want to keep you in mind that Jesus showed the Jewish people a demonstration of what the resurrection can really do. Each and every one of us has a power sitting in us. We are a powerhouse. It says, who will build me a house? What are we building? Christ being formed in us, the power of his word, the power of hearing his command. When spoken, we see signs, miracles, and wonders, and changes. If you are not being changed, you can't help change another. If you are not being changed, then you are in place to change. There are people who sit there with the born again, packed power, regenerated spirit in them and they're not growing up they have we have to grow up to maturity so we can what change the atmosphere that we're in and the atmosphere gets changed by the power of our what words but behind every word is a sound and behind every sound is a power so it can be a corrupt power or it can be what incorruptible all right so here's a story of Lazarus and now I really am going to have to I know Todd you told me I can't do this but it is really hard. Please do not laugh at me. I just got a new eye prescription, and he said that I might have to wear something like this. And it really does work. Okay. No, I have never done this. And I always thought it was crazy when you see people putting them on, putting it off. But I really think I'm going to go back and get my prescription. I know you probably don't care about this, <laughs> but I really think I should get my prescription lesser because when I had it a little bit lesser, I didn't need this. Does that make sense? Too much power. Look at this power, right? Okay, the death, I have to come to death on this, I guess. The death of Lazarus. It says, now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, 
the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrance and oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Okay, I love that part because what was, what's being established in the word? That Mary and Martha had a relationship with Jesus. It wasn't even necessary that Lazarus had the relationship. It, he identified that was Mary and Martha. And then he goes to say that, therefore the sister sent, sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Okay, so what's the first thing? Love, relationship and love is always gonna be the first thing. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but it is for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus, now again, reiterating this, now Jesus loved Martha and her, sis, and her sister and Lazarus. So now it's more what? Relationship, more love. And now Jesus already called it. This sickness, he called it out. He used the words, and these are in red. So that means he heard them from the Father that says that this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. That, 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 so there's a purpose. The Son of God may be what? Glorified, okay? Anything that we go through is for the Son of God to be what? Glorified, right, in us. We actually receive a greater measure of glory in him. All right. All right. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Okay, so I get this. If somebody called me and said, hey, Rachel's sick, my daughter, Rachel's sick. All right, good. I'm not going to come see her for two days. You know what I mean? What's the normal worldly reaction? We what? Run to people, okay? But he says, so when he heard that she was sick, he stayed in two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, now let's go to Judea. And the di disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you and you were going and you're going to go there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one who walks in the night, he stumbles, it is because he does not have the light within him. All right, so I want you guys to think about this. If we are walking our lives and we're born again Christians and we are stumbling so much that we don't know which way to go, then guess what? We're not tapping into the what? The light. Or is the light in? Are the lights on, right? So these things he said after that, he said to them, our friend Lazarus, sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then the disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking a rest in his sleep. Jesus was really talking about his death. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. So they're not there, he, but he said already that it wasn't his sickness unto death, but he already said, Lazarus is dead. He was speaking on another level. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let me go to him. Then Thomas, sidekick, right, who is called the twin, said, I should call that to Carl and Chris. 
So then the twin and said to the fellow disciple, let us also go that we may die with him. Okay, now I thought this was interesting. They were speaking on a higher spiritual level. They already decided that they know, they know that it wasn't a death, a physical death. They knew he was speaking on a spiritual realm. So, and the hymn is capitalized. So once the disciples, well, let's go and die, we'll go die with you. All right, that's what Christ asks of us. He wants our own will connected for us to die with him. He's not asking us to do anything he hasn't done. He wants us to die with him so we can do what? Live with him. He wants us to endure with him so we can what? Reign with him, all right? So, so then Jesus came. He found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary still sat in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Okay, so now all the other negative voices are going to start speaking from their dirty filter. Martha was already, come on, I called you four days ago and now you're just coming. He's already dead. But if you would have been here, how many people have said that to you about something? If you would have done this, right? Everything would be okay. All right. Faith. I like that. But even now, I know that whatever, but even now, she says, I know whatever you ask God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. So now what did Martha did know? She may have thought because Jesus didn't get there, but she did know that if he asked to God, because they were in a relationship of what? One. When God wants to sanctify us, he's trying to get us aligned with him in worship of oneness so that when we call upon him for something, he wants to do what? He wants to do it from us because he's going to feel our love in it. He's going to decide what is the condition of our heart. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. We all know that we're going to what? If you were born again, wherever you are on that chart, your hope is that what? Your body's going to be resurrected up with what? Christ in the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do we believe that we can actually experience a resurrection right now? She's believing that Lazarus can't come back until the what? The end day. But now he says, do you believe? So the first thing he always asks us is do what? Do you believe? We have to believe the word. We have to believe what we're saying. And then it says, he said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, who is to come into this world. And then she had said to him these things. She went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. He is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she rose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were, who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, they followed her saying, she is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, now he's on the second run with the second sister. If you had been here, he, if you would have, I lost my place. 
If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Okay, now think about this. Jesus is our intercessor to God. Do you know when we call unto him and our heart is right, he's going to do what? He's going to go to the Father. Okay, because the Father is the good give, the giver of all good things to us. And I like this because Mary wasn't trusting at the time. Everybody else was crying at the same time, and it touched Jesus's heart because he can't deny himself. He couldn't deny that love. He was going to show her. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. The Jews said, see how he loved him? See how he loved him? And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind and have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again groaned in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone laid against it. Jesus said, "Very." Now this is in red letters, so that means it's from the Father. Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, and for he has been dead four days. So that means Lazarus was he it was in a very what? Corruptible state. Physically, he actually smelled bad. Think about it. How many times have you been in something and you knew it was bad and it did not smell good, but it still landed in the way God wanted it to? How many people have been there? Right. That's I mean, it's a place where he that but he says, "Take away the stone." Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Remember, resurrection is the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know you are always here and you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I say this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out, bound hand, foot, grave claws, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Now, isn't that an awesome order? If you really think about it, that's exactly what we go through when we're going from one position in Christ to another position in Christ. We have to learn to believe Jesus confessed out the instruction from the Father, but he also prayed unto him and he thanked the Father, saying, because why? Martha and Mary love their, because they love them. He did it because of what? Love. And then he says, I'm going to do it for the purpose of showing them that you are glorified, that the God is glorified in that receiving. And so when you think about it in chapter 12, the best part, six days before Jesus was crucified, Guess who was sitting at the supper's table with? Guess who was sitting at the, su- the supper table with Jesus? Lazarus. It says, if we die with him, we will what? Live with him. If we endure, we will reign. Well, Lazarus, it's not even, it didn't even have to do with his relationship with Christ. Because of Mary and Martha and their love, and because he was going to show them how the resurrection worked, this man was resurrected back to physical life. So his incorruptible body, his corruptible body became what? 
incorruptible. It became life. And then that life continued where Jesus invited him in chapter 12 to sit at the table with him. So you know what happens when we get resurrected with Christ, we are establishing ourselves a position in heaven with God, with, through Jesus. He actually has a place for us to do what? Sit at his table, all right? So we, the beauty about this lesson is, is that we are to live a resurrected life daily. We have to die daily. There is a word that everybody should be standing on. There should be something that you're believing in that you know he has taught you. There is a soul changing that has to happen before you receive. And everybody will be tested. You'll be tempted. You'll have the adversary will come to steal, kill, and destroy. And so remember, when the word says kingdom, power, and glory, just remember there is no glory without tapping into what? The kingdom of God, which is the Holy Spirit within you, and then knowing the power of the word and the power of the resurrected word, the living word of Christ living in you. So remember, he will not deny himself. So if Christ is in you, when you look up, you're looking at what? Him. He's looking at, there's a measure of him in you. So the more we press on, I like it, your scriptures, the more we press on, it doesn't matter how perplexed the moment is. It doesn't make a difference how crazy it is. Then it's going to, it will change everything. So how many people want a resurrected life? Daily, okay? Because it is now in Christ Jesus. We have to be in him. So praise the Lord. That's it. Yeah. So I guess we're going into...